0: Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. If you come to the end of your life and you're able to look back and say, by God's grace, I've left a legacy of faith, and there he is, there she is, there they are, then you will have unlocked the secret for a successful and more importantly, a significant life.
1: Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, one day all of us will close our eyes for the last time here on earth, and we'll open them in the next life. But the legacy we leave behind has the potential to live on for generations to come. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares three keys to leaving a legacy that lasts. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Today is February
0: 28th, the last day of our teaching series, and it's my final occasion to remind you about the book that complements our study. Today is your last opportunity to get a copy of my best selling book called Choosing the Extraordinary Life God's Seven Secrets for Success and Significance, along with the special life application guide. I've discovered that people who invest their lives and their resources in the kingdom of God never look back with any regrets. And in fact, their impact extends far beyond their own lifespan. When you give a generous gift to support Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure you receive a hardbound copy of my book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. And then let me make a strong personal recommendation. If God has given you the means, I highly recommend traveling with us on the Pathway to Victory Tour of Israel. The dates are April 25th through May 5th. Nothing will transform your understanding of the past and nothing will transform your understanding of the future, quite like joining us on this Pathway to Victory Tour of Israel. Witnessing Jerusalem the Mount of Olives, the Garden Tomb, the Garden of Gethsemane. All these historic places will rekindle your passion for the Bible. But that's not all. We'll also be stopping by several of the sites that await the fulfillment of biblical prophecy as well. You'll find all the details for this trip by going to ptv.org. I can't urge you enough to sign up while these few spots remain. But right now, take your Bible and turn to 2 Kings chapter 2 as we get started with our final study in this teaching series. I've titled today's message, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. You know, everybody leaves a legacy after they're gone. No, the only legacy that lasts is one that is spent furthering the kingdom of God. The best use of our life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. Building a legacy that lasts means that we embrace the right principle for living. And the principle is this. God measures significance by faithfulness, not by success. Let me say it again. God measures significance by faithfulness, not by success. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, God requires of a steward that he or she be found what? Faithful. Faithfulness means consistently following God's calling for your life and leaving the results to him. What does it mean to be faithful? Well, to be faithful means being willing to sweat the small stuff in life. And by that, I mean doing the little things with excellence that God has called you to do. Jesus said the same thing in Luke 16, verses 10 and 11. Remember his words? He said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous money, who will entrust to you true riches to you? What Jesus was saying is this. He was talking in the context of money. He said, whatever money God has lent to you, because any money we have is just on loan to us from God. He said, money is a test. God gives us money as a test to see how faithful we are. What he was saying is the little things God gives us to do or to handle are a test to see whether or not we can handle the bigger responsibilities in life. And that's why we need to be faithful in doing those small things. You know, my sister asked me an interesting question the other day. She said, Robert, if you got word like our parents did, that you only had a few months to live, how would you spend those final months? That's a great question. What about you? If you found out you only had a few months to live, or if like Elijah, you found out you had one day before God took you to heaven, how would you spend those last moments here on earth? Would you quit your job? Would you liquidate your bank account and go on an exotic trip? How would you spend those last moments here on earth? Notice what Elijah did. Elijah spent the last day of his life, second King says, doing what he had always been doing, faithfully fulfilling the assignment God had given him, pouring into the life of his protege Elisha, going around to these significant sites and pouring into the sons of the prophets that we'll talk about in just a few moments. Successful people, significant people are people who understand the principle that God values faithfulness more than he does success. Finally, successful people not only embrace the right perspective and the right principle, they also embrace the right priority in life, and that is people. Significant people build their lives around other people. Did you know everybody's going to live forever? Some people live forever in heaven, enjoying the blessings of Christ. The majority of people will live forever in hell, separated from God, but people last forever. And that's why a legacy that counts for eternity is one that is built around investing in the lives of other people. Throughout this series on Elijah, I've talked about one of my two mentors in life, Dr. Howard Hendricks from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's now in heaven. He understood that the best way to have a legacy that lasts would be to influence the influencers to teach and train preachers and when you look over his 40 plus years of teaching some of the people that have come through his classes and all claimed him as a model of ministry tony evans david jeremiah chuck swindoll bruce wilkinson there's no telling how many millions of lives were influenced because of prof hendrick's faithfulness in investing in people Elijah understood that. And that's why it's significant that throughout his life, and especially on the last day of his life, 2 Kings chapter 2 records it, that he spent those 24 hours investing in people. First of all, he encouraged other people. That's one way he poured into the lives of others, by encouraging them. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 2 for just a moment. Remember when Elijah was having his pity party for himself and said, I'm the only one left who's faithful. And uh, God said, basically, get over yourself, Elijah. You're not the only one. There are 7,000 in Israel who have not bended their knee toward the Baal yet. Well, among those 7,000 who still had not succumbed to idolatry was a group of men known as the sons of the prophets. These were prophets in training, if you would, and they had seminaries, learning institutes, where they were being trained as prophets of Jehovah. One was located at Bethel, and the other was located at Jericho. So it's no accident that when Elijah made his road trip before he went to heaven on that last day, Two of the four places he went were Bethel and Jericho. He went to the seminaries to have one final word with these would-be and -and up-and-coming prophets. Look at 2 Kings 2 verse 3. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you over today? Yes, I know. And then in verse 5, when they came to Jericho, the sons of the prophets said the same thing. Hey, Elisha, did you know today's the big day when Elijah's going to be caught up into heaven? We have no idea how they knew that, but they knew it. And Elijah wanted to come as a guest lecturer that day at both seminaries to share with those students. Now, we don't have a record of what Elijah said to them. But can you imagine being in class that day to listen to this great prophet of God, what he must have talked to them about? I was kind of daydreaming, just thinking, if I were Elijah, what would I talk to these students about? I imagine he related to them how God had protected him from Ahab's wrath when he had the courage to point his finger at Ahab and accuse him of idolatry. I'm sure that he probably thought about how God had preserved his life and communicated that to the prophets how God preserved his life at Careth with that miraculous provision for food and later at Zarephath. I'm sure he regaled them with the great dramatic encounter he had on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. I think he was probably very honest with them and confessing the bouts he had with depression and discouragement. But most of all, I think he probably encouraged them By reminding him that the same God who had been faithful to him throughout his life would be faithful to these prophets as well as they served the almighty God. You know, Elijah's time with these prophets reminds me of the importance of people. I didn't always understand that. When I was younger in ministry, I used to think that people were a means to an end. God had put people in my church to help me achieve the goals that we had, whether it was a capital campaign or a building program or a great evangelism effort. No, people are not the means to an end, they are the end. And the life that counts for eternity is one that is spent investing in the lives of people. And one way we do that is by encouraging the people God has put in our path. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize everybody needs encouragement. I remember our friend Jimmy Draper, I heard him say this years ago. He said, be nice to everybody because everybody's having a hard time. Those are great words. Everybody needs to be encouraged. And Elijah encouraged those sons of the prophets. But he not only encouraged other people, he mentored other people. And when we talk about having the right priority people, we mean mentoring people what is mentoring it is pouring your life into the life of somebody else somebody that you identify who you think is going to make a significant impact on the world to spend time with them encouraging them but also training them teaching them the life lessons that you have learned throughout your life you know again when i look back on my life i am so grateful for the two mentors that God gave me, who were very different in many ways, but also were alike. I mean, I talked about Dr. Hendricks at Dallas Seminary. Of course, my other mentor was the pastor of this church for 50 years, Dr. Criswell. He poured his life into my life. I remember when I was 21, fresh out of college, he hired me to be the youth minister here. I tell people, I would not have hired me to be the youth minister here. I didn't have a clue what I was doing but he knew it would be invaluable experience. And uh, I am so grateful for what he taught me. If I've had any impact at all anywhere, it's because of two men who took the time and took the risk of investing time in me. We're all called to mentor, to pour our lives into other people. What does it take to do that? Let me just give you three keys for effective mentoring. Because I believe God has placed somebody in your path, somebody with extraordinary potential who is worth the investment of your time. First of all, the mentor must take the initiative. Don't sit around waiting for somebody to ring your doorbell or call you or text you and say, hey, would you mentor me? No, the mentor takes the initiative. That's exactly what Elijah did. After following God's direction, 1 Kings 19, 19 says, Elijah went over to Elisha and threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away. When you're looking for somebody to mentor, think about who has the potential to make a real significant impact for the kingdom of God long after I'm gone. It may be a child, a grandchild. It may be somebody you work with. But God places those people in our paths. We need to take the initiative with them. Secondly, the mentor must be available. Again, 1 Kings 19.21 says, then Elisha went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah was willing to spend time, to make time to be available with Elisha. Now, you may be thinking, well, you know, I just don't have time to do this. Uh, I've got too much responsibility at work or with my family or here at the church. I don't have some time to spend with some mentoree. Uh, How am I going to do that? Well, just think about it. You have to eat lunch, don't you? I mean, most people like to eat lunch. Why not invite your protege, the one you're mentoring, to eat with? Uh, If you're running an errand, invite them to come along with you. There are times you can carve out to have a casual conversation with somebody that you're trying to pour into. You know, going back to my own experience, I remember uh, when I was in my 20s, Dr. Hendricks and his wife, Jean, were kind enough on several different occasions to invite me to travel with them to speaking locations, speaking engagements that they would have that were out of town. And I'll never forget one Friday afternoon, I was going with Prof to California. He was speaking at a conference out there. And so we'd gotten into our seats on the airplane uh, there at DFW, headed out to California. And after kind of the initial chit chat, he kind of leaned back, kind of closed his eyes. And he said, Robert, tell me, what are you dreaming about these days? What's God saying to you about your future? And so for those three hours, we went to California. I remember talking to Prof about the dreams that I had and what I felt like God wanted to do with my life. And to this day, I still remember the invaluable nuggets of wisdom he passed on to me. Take time to take somebody along with you. Maybe not on a trip, but you know, to run an errand and talk to them about the things that matter. You'll make an impression upon them. The mentor must be available. And thirdly, the mentor must serve as a model of godliness. You know, people tend to forget what they hear, but they rarely forget what they see. We don't know how much time Elisha and Elijah spent together, but apparently it was enough time that Elisha learned a lot by watching Elijah in difficult circumstances. You know, talking about Dr. Hendricks, probably the most important lesson he taught me was one he had no idea he was teaching me. In fact, he was asleep in another room when he was teaching me this lesson. Amy and I had gone with him and his wife, Jean, to a speaking engagement in New Bronzeville, Texas. And after the Friday night, it was at a conference center there, and after the Friday night session, everybody dismissed and went back to their rooms. And Amy and I went back to the room, and in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep. And so I got up, And I got dressed and I went back down to the conference room where we had been earlier that evening. Of course, it was empty. There was the lectern where Dr. Hendricks had been speaking from and oddly, his Bible was still on that lectern. He had left it there accidentally. So I made sure nobody was looking around (laughs) and I took that Bible and I opened it. And I thought maybe I'd find a verse or two that he had underlined or highlighted that might have something to say to me. And when I opened that Bible, I'm telling you just about every verse of every page was underlined. Every margin on every page of the Bible had notes, handwritten notes on it. Passages had been (laughs) color-coded, different colors of ink. And at that moment... I understood the power behind his life. He was a man of one book, the Bible. And that was the secret for his power, his effectiveness in ministry. If somebody were to open your Bible, if somebody were just to spend a day going around with you, what would they learn about your life? would they learn the significance of the Bible that it's the centerpiece of your life? If somebody were to watch you, would they learn what it means to be a loving spouse and a loving parent? If somebody walked around with you for a day, would they learn how to share the gospel with an unbeliever and look for opportunities instead of running from opportunities to share the gospel? People long forget what they what we say, but they never forget what they see. You know, in the business world, the term mentoring is very, very popular. But in the business world, mentoring is about helping somebody fulfill their vocational goals in life. But in the spiritual realm, mentoring means in pouring your life into somebody who will carry that baton of faith, and in turn pour their life into somebody else who will in turn pour their lives into someone else. And that's what Paul had in mind in that passage we read just a few moments ago from 2 Timothy chapter two, verse two. This is how the Christian message is to spread. He said, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these things to faithful, don't get hung up on the word "men"; it means people entrust these things to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Go back to Second Kings chapter 2, verse 11. These final moments between Elijah, the mentor, and Elisha, verse 11. This is so thrilling. Then it came about, as they, Elisha and Elijah, were going along and talking, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then Elisha took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And then he also took up the mantle, the cloak of Elijah that fell from Elijah. And he returned and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. I want you to think about Elijah for just a moment. Can you imagine that experience of being caught up in the whirlwind, in the heaven? I imagine Elijah, as he was caught up in the heaven, had his eyes fixed on the glories that awaited him. But don't you think for just a moment he looked back down at the ground he was leaving. I think he did. And I imagine as he looked back down to the ground, he thought, by God's grace, I have lived an extraordinary life. And by God's grace, I have left a legacy of faith. And he's standing there. There he is right there on the banks of the Jordan River. If you come to the end of your life, and you find yourself being caught up to meet the Lord in heaven, and you're able to look back and say, by God's grace, I've lived a truly extraordinary life. And by his grace, I've left a legacy of faith. And there he is, there she is, there they are. Then you will have unlocked the secret for a successful and more importantly, a significant life. And so let me conclude this series with a question. Are you ready to choose an extraordinary life? Are you ready to leave a legacy that lasts forever? We've provided several resources to help you do just that. On this final program in February, it's my last occasion to extend these offers to you. The first resource is the book I've written that will help you discover that sweet spot for finding God's purpose for your life. It's called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. And a hardbound copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. And as a bonus, I'll also send you an exclusive life application guide to be used as an interactive study tool, either in a group Bible study or on your own. In closing, let me thank you for giving generously to Pathway to Victory. As darkness appears to prevail in our country and the world, we know that God is using your generosity to push back the forces of evil. The evidence of this fact is overwhelming. In fact, every day we receive affirming phone calls, emails, and letters from people who thank us for our boldness and faithfulness to the truth of God's Word. For instance, Diane wrote from Mississippi and said, Pastor Jeffress, Pathway to Victory has been a huge blessing in my life. This morning especially, I needed your message on living by faith. I've been in a bit of a slump and lost focus for a little while. God used that message to refocus my spiritual eyes. What an incredible privilege the Lord has given us to keep piercing the darkness with the truth and life offered in God's Word. Together,
1: we are truly making a difference david thanks dr jeffress today when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of pathway to victory we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of the best-selling book choosing the extraordinary life along with the life application guide call 866-999-2965 or even easier go online to ptv.org now when your gift is 75 dollars or more We'll also send you the entire teaching series for Choosing the Extraordinary Life on CD and DVD. Now, this is the very last day these resources will be available, so be sure to go online right away. Our toll-free number once again, 866-999-2965, or go to ptv.org. If you'd like to send your donation by mail, write to P.O. Box two twenty three six zero nine 609 Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223609, 609 Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again Wednesday for the start of a new series called The Solomon Secrets, right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.